Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan and Ken. Episode number 349, recorded September 19th, 2021. So 49 episodes ago, episode 300, we started the UK strips. Wow, you went back and looked. Cool. I did, I did, I did go back and look. So yeah, so uh, 49 episodes ago, we started with uh, UK strips 1, 2, and 3. And today we're finishing off the normal... Well, they weekly. weren't originally numeric, but the normal weekly ones that were coming out in, in mm-hmm. the UK strip. So it's uh, issues or stories 36 and 37. So 37 is the last one. But right. wait, there's more. Right. So there was some random um, annuals, little stories that were stuck into other other publications over the over the years which uh, we did not do in our original run. So we will have to go back and do those. Okay. So annuals and other kinds of things? Or right. are they all annuals? Uh, well, they mm. were all inside of annuals. So they're just little, oh, okay. little gotcha. short stories, usually shorter than what, what we got. Gotcha. But they were all published together inside of what the UK they call annuals, okay. which is like a collection of reprints and news stories. And okay. But this was like still that. Valiant? And TV twenty uh, one, I don't. Or was know. it something totally different? I think it was totally different. Oh, interesting. I think some of them were like Radio Times, and other ones were uh, different different publications. Oh, cool. Okay, well, it's Star Trek, so right. So we're not Star done. Trek in the UK, and it, art style and stuff looks very similar. Came out around the same time, so mm-hmm. it definitely has that same vibe. There you go. And of course, because these last two storylines have really elevated the UK comics uh, franchise to a whole new level of awesomeness, uh, they really ended on a high note. Uh, I'm looking forward to more stretched out <laughs> storylines that will... <laughs> well, I don't think the other ones are all stretched out, because they're okay. just like little Thumbs short... Up. Yeah, these are definitely stretched out, and... Uh... To the detriment of the story. Whatever good was in these stories, they lost by trying to stretch it out over three months. <laughs> yeah, because both of these are pretty long. Right. There's a lot of there's a lot of weekly issues involved in these storylines, and a lot of filler, and a just like incredibly random stuff happening. Oh, and yeah, WTF things being brought up that have nothing to do with the original TV show. Right. But at least in one situation. We get a glimpse of the future, a glimpse of the JJ verse. Uh, well, I'm glad you brought that up because both of these <laughs> issues, to me, have a lot of what future Star Trek will have. And really, when you read it here, it's bad. But later, you're going to be like, I can kind of see where these things morphed into what ends up being and. The movies, and uh, not not just the JJ movies. I'm talking about uh, the, the Taz movies? movies, the Taz movies, the Next okay. Generation movies. There's there's a lot of movie storyline that I think 
they had to have gotten from these two issues. Oh. <laughs> wow. Okay. I know of one thing and only one thing. Oh so goodness. as we go through again, I will keep my uh, eyes open for, for more examples. Yeah, especially 37. 37, it was just like, did Paramount just read that one issue and then be like, we're going to make, we're going to take, we're going to mine all of this into uh, random movies. And you're like, <laughs> what? why would you pick that part? Some of it's pretty well, vague, but there's going to be one thing where it's just like they had to have done it on purpose, and and uh, I don't want to spoil it. So I'll, well, I'll okay. So at the beginning of thirty-seven storyline number thirty-seven, I can definitely. I was thinking beyond a little bit, uh, but I didn't think that was Star Trek Beyond the movie, right? Um, but I didn't think I didn't think they they took the idea. Uh, okay, this is going to be an interesting talking point. Okay. <laughs> Should we start? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do uh, 36. Right. Yeah, so 36 is uh, covers issues 91 through 106, so we got a lot here. What is it? Uh, 15. So 15 uh, individual issues. Great. Um, uh, the writer is unknown, uh, but the artist is John Stokes. And this cover, these covered uh, a time frame of June 23rd, 1973 through op- October 6th of 1973. And uh, let's start with issue 91. The Enterprise finds itself lightly armed after recently destroying a Klingon battle fleet woo, to save the planet Thark from plunder. Kirk makes plans to replenish ship stores by rendezvousing with a sister ship and slowly rebuilding their missile complement with raw materials gathered from planets along the way. They are not expecting trouble since they are back on an exploration mission to the Dane-Victoria star system. But little does Kirk know, the Romulan Emperor, who moonlights as a Jabba the Hutt impersonator, is planning to take advantage of the starship's weakened state. He orders their small military base on Dane Victoria to attack the mighty starship. As Enterprise enters planetary orbit, they are attacked by a satellite sonic weapon. Kirk gives the order to destroy it using phasers. Also in orbit, they find a wrecked spaceship that Kirk leads an away team to research. Kirk and his space-suited compadres find it's nothing but an unmitigated trap. In the damaged ship, they find huge snails. Will this be death by escargot? Find out in issue 92. End of issue 91. Issue 92. The space snails in the ruined spaceship turn out to be dead. Suddenly, a communication from the planet asks why Enterprise destroyed the guard satellite. On Enterprise... Sensors pick up four fast-moving objects incoming, obviously missiles. Uhura identifies the language as Romulan. Spock comments how it's just like Romulans to be talking to you while launching an attack from behind. Spock radios Kirk that he and his team have ten seconds to get back to the ship before they must raise shields to defend against the missile attack. The team returns just in time as the missiles explode on the shields. 
Kirk talks to Spock about the snails, and they theorize their shells in their ship's hull was shattered by the Romulan sonic weapon. Cut to the intelligent snails on the surface of Dane 12, who are in a missile bunker, firing a weapon they call the Plastic Stifler at the Enterprise. They say it will envelop the Enterprise and turn it into a space-borne tomb. End of issue 92. Issue 93. Another volley of four missiles are incoming. Kirk orders a higher orbit to get maneuvering room, but he's relatively unconcerned with them since shields are up. After the missiles are exploded, a single larger object is racing towards them from the surface. The entire crew puts on spacesuits in case the new threat breaches the hull. The object passes right through the shields and deposits a glob of plastic material that covers most of the ship and fouls the nacelles, just as the evil snails said it would in the last issue. The snail's grand leader, referred to as, wait for it, the Shell Supreme, enters the missile control room, sees the new ship is enveloped in goo, and brings up the very real possibility to the two military boobs that the new ship is likely not Romulan at all. Did it not destroy the Romulan sonic weapon? Hello? He orders to go up personally in a heavily armed snail ship, to make contact with the newcomers. They hail the Enterprise, but the crew, who are suddenly not in spacesuits all of a sudden, are on the verge of suffocating, so they cannot reply. The snail ship says this is the Enterprise's last chance to reply, or they'll be forced to open fire. Of course they will. End of issue 93. Issue 94. Scotty, still with his space suit on, saves everyone and gets Kirk up on his feet in time to reply to the snail's hails. Snail's hails. Just as Kirk is about to step up communications with the snail's supreme shell, a fire engine red-faced Ohura warns them all a third ship is approaching them at high speed. End of issue 94. Ohura confirms it's a Romulan attack ship. Kirk tells Uhura to warn the Sklurians, apparently the name of the snail, intelligent snails, who have unfortunately already been sent across, they actually already sent across their supreme shell and two assistants to the Enterprise in clear hamster balls. Kirk personally takes a shuttlecraft out to snag the hamster balls before the Romulans have a chance to grab them. Kirk is able to bring them aboard the shuttlecraft just before a Romulan missile explodes too close for comfort. Spock on the Enterprise and the snails on their well-armed ship just sit there while Captain Kirk and the Supreme Shell are sitting ducks. End of issue 95. Issue 96. The Romulan ship is able to get close enough to pump knockout gas into the shuttle and take the occupants. The Romulans flee the area with the Enterprise and Snail Ship in hot pursuit. End of issue 96. 97. The Romulans are crowing about the capture of the famous Captain Kirk and the Slurian Shell Supreme, who will make great sports in the Coliseum back at the Romulan colony on Carr. Kirk and the Snails wake in, jail, in a jail cell with green iron bars and everything. Kirk talks about wanting to contact the Enterprise, 
Suddenly on the bridge of the Enterprise, Spock takes on a pained look and says he is in contact with the captain mentally. The Shell Supreme and other Slurians are amazed, as am I, that Kirk is able to communicate with Spock over vast distances. Hello, they're not even touching. Mind meld, nothing. They hatch a plan, uh, Kirk and Spock, that involves using the transporter beam to beam Spock somewhere. The Romulan battlecruiser enters orbit around Carr and takes their prisoners down to the surface in a shuttle. They start marching their prisoners to the arena as Kirk thinks their lives are all in Spock's hands now. End of issue 97. Issue 98. Commander Nereus, the Romulan guy, transports the prisoners the final distance to the arena in an ugly white truck. Meanwhile, Spock is in disguise on car and figures out Kirk and the Slurians have been taken to the arena. As Spock makes his way to the arena, he contacts the Enterprise and tells Scotty to beam down some very specific equipment to him. Kirk and the Slurians are told to prepare to enter the fight pit, where currently two huge beasts are fighting each other. End of issue 98. Issue 99. Kirk and the three Sclurians are at the gate to the arena and are told they will fight the winner of the current fight between the two huge beasts. They will not stand a chance. The Shell Supreme's two aides freak out and try to make a break for it on their personal anti-grav sleds. The Romulan guards mow them down. It's now down to just Kirk and the Shell Supreme. Kirk and the Shell Supreme are now in the arena when the T-Rex-like beast defeats the other one-horned buffalo-like beast. Kirk and the Supreme buy themselves some time by cleverly baiting the T-Rex into charging and hitting the wall behind Kirk and Supreme when they move out of the way. Uh, Without the sled, I'm not quite sure how the snail is able to move quickly, but whatever. The Romulan Emperor himself is in the crowd to witness the violent death of the famous Captain Kirk. Kirk hopes that Spock will be able to effect their escape before they are killed by this beast, um, but he realizes that is a long shot. Spock attempts to enter the arena and is thwarted by unexpectedly intelligent guards that suspect he may not be the blind beggar he purports to be at all. End of issue 99. Issue 100. Spock is able to distract the two guards with a red-boxed bribe. Spock springs into action and takes them both down by striking like a snake. Spock sprints to the fire pit and jumps into it. Spock tells Kirk the device in his hand will let Scotty determine their exact location for immediate beam-out of them all. You know, like every hand communicator that Taws has ever had. Spock finds the small device is not working as the T-Rex prepares for another attack. End of issue 100. Issue 101. Spock tosses Kirk his phaser while Spock tries to get the device working. Kirk shoots the T-Rex, which brings it crashing down. Kirk then starts shooting the fire pit walls under the spectators, causing the upper walls to collapse and deposit people into the fighting pit. 
they sprint for an open door to the fighting pit. They exit the pit and run for an arena exit. The Supreme sprays some gross snail spooge on the ground behind them, causing the pursuing guards to slip and fall to the ground. When they exit the arena, Spock and Kirk hop onto each side of the Shell Supreme, who is able to use his personal anti-grav sled to take them away from the arena without making a mark on the ground to follow. When they get far enough away from the arena, they hop off and hide while Spock continues to try to fix the device. Apparently, he did not think to bring a communicator with him. At least that's what I'm thinking at this point in the story. End of issue 101. Issue 102. Commander Nereus releases a three-headed beast called a Terrastron to track down the escaped aliens. One head of the Terrastron is cat-like and can see in total darkness. The second head has an incredibly sensitive sense of smell to pick up the trail of any target. And the third head has vicious razor teeth that no prey can escape from. The Shell Supreme hears the beast approaching and knows what it is. He tells Kirk and Spock they need to flee immediately. They They do so without the locator device that they do not have time to reassemble. They use the phaser to start a huge blaze to slow down the Terrastron. They make for the tree line where they think they will be able to contact the Enterprise. However, the Enterprise has trouble of their own as three Romulan ships close in on their position. End of issue 102. Issue 103. Now in the woods, Kirk uses Spock's communicator. Hold on a second. Spock had a communicator this whole time? Whatever. Kirk requests Scotty to send down a shuttle as the only dependable way to get them back to the Enterprise. Unlike the transporter that should be able to lock on the communicator signal. Eh. Scotty says no way Jose since they are being attacked by Romulan ships. Kirk tells Scotty they will stay alive and avoid capture until Scotty can fight off the Romulan ships and send down a shuttle, Kirk out. Kirk and Spock jump on the Supreme Shell's anti-grav sled, and they run deeper into the forest until they run into another of the T-Rex-like beasts. They keep silent and still in hopes the wild beast will not detect them. End of issue 103. Issue 104. Scotty and the Enterprise are able to get in close to the Romulan ships, drop their shields, and destroy one of the four ships with phasers before raising the shields again. Meanwhile, on the planet, the Romulans have the Terrastron on a chain leash, uh, and they are closing in on Kirk's party. Kirk's party, staying perfectly still, are able to avoid the T-Rex-looking beast, now that, uh, that now looks lo- more like a burly buffalo-bodied beast. So it's actually changed what it looks like from the first issues where we first saw it. The beast hears a sound and continues on after its original prey. Kirk and Spock jump on the shell supreme and they continue running. Kirk contacts the Enterprise again and finds out one Romulan ship down, but three more to go. No shuttle will be coming to get them anytime soon. Spock has an idea, which he tells Scotty about. Spock orders Scotty to surrender. Da-da-da! End of issue 104. Okay, we're almost done. Issue 105. 
Spock finishes telling Spock the plan. When the Romulan ships move in close to accept Scotty's surrender, Scotty opens fire on them. Kirk objects, saying Starfleet does not use such tactics, but Spock counters with a logical argument, saying the Romulans observe no rules of war, so in response to their tactics, we must adapt or, or we will die. Scotty accepts his orders, but not liking them. The Shell Supreme detects the Romulans and Terrastron are not far behind them. In space above and beyond, the Romulans fall for Scotty's false surrender that puts them in Scotty's crosshairs. All the Romulan ships are destroyed. Scotty sends Sulu and a fully armed six-man team down in Shuttle 2, he did call it Shuttle 2, to retrieve the captain's party. So Sulu has to get a move on because on the planet, the Terrastron finally spots Kirk and company across an open field of tall grass. End of issue 105. Okay, the last one. Issue 106. Kirk's party has no choice but to get on the weakening Shell Supreme again and hope they can lose the Terrastron over the swampy water. While running again, they see the beast they barely avoided minutes ago is back and looking at the noisiest and fastest moving object, which turns out to be the Terrastron. That huge beast engages the Terrastron in a battle royale that ends with the Terrastron stone cold dead. But rather than eating the kill, the beast turns to attack Kirk and his party. Just in time, Sulu in Shuttle 3, uh, it's got a 3 on the side, uh, although Scotty said send down Shuttle 2, but whatever, comes in low to pick up Kirk, Spock, and the Shell Supreme. As they take their last look at Planet Car, the Shell Supreme says their shared battle for survival served to unite them. Kirk offers Federation membership to the Supreme, who actually sounds like a pizza, who will protect his people from the Romulan, from ro- future Romulan domination. End of issue 106. And the storyline. Yay. So Kirk can do that? Just offer membership to anybody? Yes. Of course he can. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that was a power that the, that the Star Trek captains had. Well, I don't know if you've noticed this, but they're making up a lot of stuff as they go in this in the oh, storyline. Oh, oh, you're right. Bye-bye. Yeah. So that the creature was cool. I, I guess it was some sort of, uh, you know, morph, morphing power <laughs> creature because he looked different every time he showed up. Just about. I mean, he. It, so in the arena, he pretty much looked like a T Rex, right? And then along the way, he's, he. I agree with you. He morphs, and then finally at the end, he. Instead of having two little legs in front, or the two little arms in front. Uh, it's four-legged, and right. even the front legs look burly. You know, the shoulders and everything look burly. It looks more like a buffalo or something. Yeah, yeah. And then he the head like, looks he really likes weird. A, a buffalo, and then later he looks like an iguana or something. It's <laughs> so weird. Yeah. Well, in the middle, there's a spot where the thing is fighting the the other creature that has a single horn on its head and looks. I don't know. Maybe maybe more like a a, a lion or maybe a buffalo again. Um, and it looks like a scrawny little thing, not not a T Rex at all. It's like I, I don't know. 
There was no there, there was consistency in the drawing in most of most of what was shown here, except that creature. Right. And if they would have just said, "Oh my goodness, here's a creature," I wouldn't have batted an eye. But in the dialogue, they stress so many times. This is the same creature we saw in the arena. Exactly. This is exactly. the same creature we saw in the arena. But it wasn't. And and I'm like, no, it isn't. It isn't. <laughs> it isn't at all. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, so yeah, the old tactic of uh, give up and then shoot them when their de- shields are down. That's that's. Well, yeah, g- give up, debate the men, and then shoot them when they come in close. Basically, they tried that twice. I mean, Spock acts like it's a new idea at the end of this issue, but didn't they already try that by and actually coming out of the coming out of the ship in 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 spacesuits at one point? You know, they were giving up so much, or was that no? That was this one. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They came, what? they where they were pretending to be in the spacesuits and coming out and oh, the empty spacesuits. Yeah. Ah, uh, was that this issue? Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was, okay. It was when they gave up. But but okay. when when Kirk and them got captured earlier, it was kind of a similar situation. Where there was there was a lot of like unnecessary spacewalking. No, oh, completely. Are you kidding? Okay, so uh, the, this story is so all over the place. Oh my god! At parts of the story. They got transporters and they're using them. At other yeah. parts, when they could be using transporters, they're spacewalking. Uh, they continue to, to rely on heavily armed shuttles like fighters, which were never armed. You know. Uh, yes. And, and now we're finding also that, um, that phasers are short-range weapons, which I did not know. So that right. if you don't have missiles... Then you're almost a sitting duck. Exactly. Until you I need to just yeah, I didn't know that either. Until you need to destroy a Romulan ultrasonic satellite weapon, then the phasers work just fine. Hmm. So I'm getting a feeling that you didn't like the story. <laughs> uh, I think they just they just knew that Star Trek was going to be over soon, and they just yeah, they just stopped trying. <laughs> Hmm. Just, well, hopefully, some little kid in the seventies liked this, liked it. Well, I'm sure they probably liked it because, I mean, there was lots of explosions and things, and some of the artwork is really good. Right. Uh, the, I, the the alien the snail creature looks pretty cool. <laughs> I could totally see them trying to like in the eighties make a make a puppet out of that or something. Oh my god! So, so they've got a snail, which let's remember what snails are. They're small. This one's big. They're slow. These guys, you know, at least they, they've got an anti-grav sled, which helps right. them move around. Because otherwise, could you see, if they didn't have that, could you see what this would be like? <laughs> this story would be like, uh, you know, when the alien species of the week is a snail. Um, they've, got no, they've got no arms to control anything. I mean, how do they build things? How do they build a spaceship? Oh, they got those little antennae arms. Okay, well, let's talk about that. The whisker arms. Well, okay, I was going to get to that. So... So it's got little antennae, as you would expect to see. And then, in one particular panel, they've got another set of what kind of looks like antennae, but apparently are, are single-digit 
arms and hands that come out of the sides of their mouth, yeah. and they're actually controlling the missiles in some kind of control panel. Yeah, whisker arms. <laughs> yeah, whisker arms. There you go. Now, they remind me of the racing snail from uh, The NeverEnding Story. Do you remember? Did you mm. ever watch that? Never saw it. Yeah. Well, they, uh, they, have, they have one in there, and, and you know, he's, he's a puppet. How does he race? Fast. He's fast. How can he be fast? Because he's a racing snail. Okay. A snail has a single thing a on the bottom. snail. No legs. They just got that, that suction cup kind of thing on the bottom. And then it secretes goo that it yeah. moves along on. And how is it a racing snail? Because it's fast. <laughs> so you're not going to tell me, are you? It's not to tell. <laughs> it's fast because the story says it was fast. And we saw it fast. You need to watch that movie. It was pretty good. Okay, fine. But anyways, uh, but, but that's why I like this snail so much is because it... It looked Remind like what that. ultimately they would have built the puppet to look like. You know, a giant snail with, uh, you know, they could talk and stuff. Okay. It's cool. You, you should watch uh, Never Ending Story just for the pup, the puppeteering. It's quite good. <sighs> okay. It's quite good. Great. But, uh, so yeah, so I like the snail as far as its looks. The story-wise, it was really bad because, <laughs> I mean, I could not understand. Okay, so at the very beginning. Yeah. They think the Enterprise is attacking them. So they just launch their leader and like three other people out into space to what? It's like, I didn't understand what was going on. Well, well, okay, hold on. By that point, they realized they were not Romulans. They were not a a threat. Uh, They actually could be somebody to help them. So that's why, well, they should have beamed over. Or they, they should have sent a shuttlecraft to pick them up. But no, they try to get to the Enterprise for, you know, parlay uh, in, in translucent balls that don't seem to have any kind of means of, of propulsion. Right. Now, I, I thought they were already on their way before they found out that, um, that they were, that the Federation was the good guys. And then the, the guy on the ship was like, oh, it's too late to recall the, the Supreme Shell and his, and his aides. Well, no, but, but that's because the Romulans are coming. The, the, the third ship is, is heading towards them. So it's the Romulan ship that's the, the threat to that, not, not the Federation, not, not, the, not the Enterprise. Okay. Now they, I mean, they were already talking back and forth. And, yeah. and yes, it did happen fast. I mean, so basically, the bottom line is that the military guys, the two military snails that are launching the, uh, the missiles or the, the goo, the plastic goo at the Enterprise, they're idiots. Yeah. They're stupid idiots. And then, and, then, and then the Supreme Shell, that actually has a few neurons to rub together, says, uh, they destroyed the Romulan satellite, right? Okay, maybe they're not Romulans. Maybe they could help us. Anyway. So they just jump into an airlock and they, launch themselves out. What, what, they jump into the spaceship first. So they're all on the ground. They're in the, the missile bunker, whatever. So... And, and then the Supreme Shell says, let's go up there. Come on. We got to go and talk to those people. You idiots. You oafs. So, uh, so before they got up in space, the Supreme Shell already had an idea that, that the Enterprise was not a threat. Mm. Anyway. 
and then Kirk leaves the bridge, goes down to the shuttle bay, gets into a shuttle, yes, all flies out, yeah. all all before the Romulans who were closing in got there. Yes, exactly, and is able to scoop up the three uh, hamster balls. Yes. <laughs> all right. Yeah. So I get that it happened. I just don't get <laughs> how and why it happened. <laughs> Or why did the Enterprise and the and the snail, you know, uh, flagship, why did they just sit there? They sat there. They just sat there. While the Romulan ship, uh, which was obviously farther away, um, just went in and just scooped them up. I mean, now we... And they didn't scoop them up. They were able... They were... The Romulans were able to get out into space and make their way to the shuttle, cut a hole yeah. in the hull... Stick gas. gas in, and they're doing all of this while Spock and the snail ship commander is just sitting there with their thumbs up on orifice. Okay, yep. makes perfect sense. Makes yeah. perfect sense. And another thing that's really fun is Kirk, the big scared baby, is inside <laughs> investigating a derelict ship. And he sees a huge snail. And he immediately assumes that they're going to die from the huge snail. It's like, really? Do snails have teeth? What, are they going to gum you to death? I mean, what, what makes them such a threat? Now, this was at the end of an issue. So they have to have a grabber to bring you back next week. Right. So I understand why they did that. But why would Kirk think that? It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, yeah, it was sad that that one was like he touched it and the shell just shattered because he was yeah, yep. been bounced around so much. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, it was a sonic weapon kind of shattered them, but they didn't fall apart. They just cracked everywhere. Yeah, yep. So, anyways, I didn't. I, I there was one part I liked about the story: the snail. Thought he looked cool, but I don't. It didn't really fit in with Star Trek. Um, and then I like that at least they acknowledge the what we now call the Praetor of Romulus. Okay, yeah, yeah. So, um, Who traveled all the way from Romulus to get to what car or whatever that colony is. Right, just to watch him kill Kirk. Yeah. I mean, really. Wouldn't, wouldn't he have said, you know, why don't you t- bring Kirk to me? <laughs> I want him here on Romulus uh, to kill him here. Exactly. That would make more sense. That would make more sense, but whatever. We sound very negative. Can I say yeah. something positive? We are negative. Yeah, Sorry. Positive. I like the snail ship. You like the snail ship? I like the snail ship, but I got to say, it kind of reminds me a bit of what, what Star Wars ships are going to look like um, in the future. Sure. So this was published in 1973. Star Wars came out in 1977. Um, and I'm not, not necessarily the original movie, but as it moved along, Star Wars moved along. They had more ships introduced and things. Um, right. It just reminds me more of a Star Wars ship than a Star Trek ship. And, and actually, I really thought it looked like the Razor Crest uh, from the Mandalorian series a little bit, at least oh, in the wow. front. You know how it's all vertical? Yeah. It's got the window on the top, and then obviously there's lots of stuff underneath the cockpit. It just reminded me of the Razor Crest a little bit. That's cool. Yeah. I, I didn't think of that, but I mean, 
I could see it though. Yeah. A little bit of a Buck Rogers influence, which, yeah, which obviously sure. Star Wars borrowed a lot from. Sure. On purpose. All right. So, uh, what did you think about Spock's disguise that he kept taking off so that us <laughs> the reader knew that it was him? Oh, the uh, the blind beggar or whatever. Yeah. That 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 disguise. What was the point of that? And a beard. It had a beard and, <sighs> and a, a beard. Yeah. yeah I, so Vulcans and Romulans look you know, pretty much the same. So you would think you wouldn't necessarily have to go all Sherlock Holmes in disguise. Uh, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think he needed all that. But well, I mean, the people spe- here on this planet, they're not Romulans because <clears throat> they, they have normal ears. Oh, really? They yeah. do? Oh my right. god, really? Because even when he takes his mask off, then they're like, hey, he's an alien, look at his ears. Oh so, my god, really? Oh, jeez, yeah. I didn't even catch that. You're you're no Karian, look at your ears. Oh my god, that is so So bad. then I was that like, but there's Romulans all in here, They why wouldn't they just assume he looked like a Romulan? But, but, but the Karians are Romulans. Well, they're... Right? Uh, I think it's they're a Romulan sub- colony. They're subjected to Romulans. I don't think they're Romulans. Uh, I thought they called it a Romulan colony. At the yeah, very beginning. They took it over. Yeah, maybe. I, I, well, I thought... regardless, the Karians don't have pointed ears. Okay, well that... I Maybe they just got taken over. I don't know. but They're under the thumb of Romulus. When Jabba the Hutt Praetor was talking, it sounded like he said... Uh... Which is another thing that confu- confuses me. Okay, so here, here's what here's what the prayer says. Yes, but their way takes them to Dane Victoria. There, there, we have our minor colony. And small as it is, it may be a match for the Enterprise in its weakened condition. Okay, right. so they're saying it's on Dane Victoria, which is where the sails are. Right. Then, so- a few issues in... Then suddenly they become they be their location the colony is on Car, right? That's where the so, ship took them. Right, exactly. So Car sounded like another planet in the you know in the star system. So it's right. like, wait a minute. He said it was on. I thought Dane Victoria. Okay, so Dane Victoria is the star system, yes. But I thought they were also calling the planet where the snails are Dane Victoria. Right. Anyway, yeah, it was confusing. But the main is. point is, I think he was saying, you know, it's it's their colony. And they show, you know, they show him. I mean, the Praetor has ears, has pointed ears. Yeah. Comically, huge pointed ears. So at least they get it right there. I don't know. So maybe you've got a point, but I thought it was a Romulan colony. Right. Well, I mean, he keeps calling them Karians, and he does, and and when the dinosaurs lose, he's like, "Send in the Karians. I don't care how many of those. The, I don't care how many of them get mauled, right?" So he 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 definitely <clears throat> has a distinction between the Karians that live on this village or whatever colony mm-hmm. versus normal Romulans. So I'm going with that they're a subjected people. Okay, fine. Uh, because definitely some of the people on the planet that have Kirk have the Roman helmets and everything on, which right. is definitely the look that the Romulans have. In the comics, yeah. 
Well, in these comics, yes, I right. completely agree. I mean, they got they got they got like feather, <laughs> big feather <laughs> things coming out of their helmets and whatever, and they got like the toga kind of things and capes. Uh, they're definitely some kind of, you know, uh, they're channeling Rome, ancient definitely. Romans. Okay. All right. Moving on. Any anything else? My um, my last comment is that uh, the snail. Yeah. Who who hovers the whole time? Yeah. I didn't understand where he suddenly came out with the uh, the goo that tripped up those those one guys. So does he just have a reservoir reserve of goo? That's just his poop or something, and then he just well, flushed it's not it his out. Poop. I don't you don't uh, know. I think. Uh, well, oh my God. Um, okay, so I thought what they were trying to do, they didn't. I mean, you know, real snails have that goo. You know, you, right. you, you watch them go along, and they got that trail of goo. Sure. I think they were trying to say that somehow he's got that goo, although they didn't. They didn't. I think they're trying to say, he, you know, this huge snail has that goo too, and he's able to use it to, uh, you know, turn it into a Keystone Cops thing where the Romulan guards or Carians or whatever the heck they are are like sliding around, so they got more time to go. Just seemed like a lot of it in a short amount of time. Well, I agree. For for a uh, oil slick of that. Good sort. point. Good point. But I do like that they most of the time. Uh, the the snail guys, the Sclurians or whatever they are, um, they're on like hover boards. So <laughs> most of the time. Yeah, too bad those two died so stupidly right oh. before they go to see the dinosaur. Yeah. They're just like, we're going to run for it. See you later, leader. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you notice that they've got guns? Okay. But they left their leader. Yeah. They're there protecting the leader. Yeah. And they're the two that turn around and like Well, they're the assistants. So they're not really military oh. guys. It's not their it's it's not the security detail. It's still but, weird. Yeah. It is weird. But it's like I think the writer was just like, I don't want to keep drawing I don't want to keep having to have something for these snails. These to two do. guys to do? Yeah. Plus it's if it's down if it's down to them. if it's Shoot down to Go ahead. If it's down to Kirk and the Supreme Shell then that kind of, you know, you know, it's kind of like a buddy cop show or something now. It, right. It, you know, it's a little more of a, uh, a little more of a vibe that we can relate to. Plus, uh, you know, the whole thing about the first time you're able to get the T-Rex to charge you and, you know, in front of a wall and then you jump out of the way just in time. Okay, the first time that happens, I can see that maybe working. Maybe. But they keep doing it. <laughs> and this stupid T-Rex keeps falling for it. And then there's a panel that shows Kirk, like, leaping to the side to avoid him. And then you've got the Supreme Shell that does not have his hoverboard anymore. Oh, his yeah, anti-grav sled or anything. So the Supreme Shell, a snail... Is able to move out of the way like Kirk can? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, when does he get the the hoverboard back? Because he has it later. <clears throat> I agree. That's um, a very good point. Yeah. So they took the hoverboard away when they captured them, apparently. But at some point in the escape, they're able, he's able to get it again, which makes perfect sense. Because how the heck is? I mean, what, what is is Kirk and Spock going to carry him? <laughs> I mean, because otherwise, how can this? How can the? How can the huge snail? Go fast enough. 
for that to make yeah, any sense. Yeah, it's weird because he he's on the sled right before they go into the gate, and then once they're inside the arena, he doesn't have it, and then right. once they get out of the arena, he has it. Again, yep. So agree. That is inconsistent. That's inconceivable. <laughs> yeah, and, t- and let's talk about devices for a minute, shall we? The what? Let's talk about devices for a minute, shall we? They can do what the story wants them to do at the particular time the story's going on, and nothing more. And what they can do keeps changing. So Spock's got a phaser, and Kirk is able to take out the dinosaur. Great. And he's also able to start, you know, destroying the actual structure of the arena with it. So obviously they're, they're setting a precedent that phasers are powerful weapons. Yet they proceed to, except for starting fires, they, pursued, they proceed to not use it for the rest of their harrowing trip or, or getting away from Cerberus. Ugh. Just shoot the thing. Right. Just shoot Cerberus. Just kill it. Ugh. And, then, uh, and then communicators. Okay, so all of a sudden, they've got this little device that Scotty had a makeup special for Spock. No. Every TOS communicator has the functionality to be a locator thing. It's always been that way in TOS. Right. And then later we find out Spock had a communicator the whole time. It's like, what? Oh my God, they expect people to be so dumb uh, that are reading it. And whatever, they're kids mostly, but oh my God. Kids and and us. Well, kids and us. And then, then the big thing we said before about transporters. You know, when they use transporters and when they don't use transporters is totally uh, is totally up for grabs. And then the whole transporter thing is going to be really interesting in the next storyline, but I'm not going to ruin anything at this point. Please don't. Okay. Um, like I mentioned in the synopsis, Scotty said, send, send Sulu down in, in uh, Shuttlecraft 2, and you can see the shuttlecraft that Sulu was in as he's flying past the T-Rex uh, with everybody on board is clearly uh, NCC-1701-3. Uh, so a minor point, but it's like, couldn't even be consistent with that. Um Right, and I think that the three is also the one that Kirk was in when he got captured. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. Well, that that's even worse. <laughs> <laughs> that is even worse. Uh, yo, you're right. I'm looking at it. You're completely right. That was uh, Dash 3. Right, yeah. So they just... So... It's the second Dash 3, kid. Or that's what Sulu meant. After they remove, after they remove their prisoners, they just left the shuttle to to drift. I guess the Enterprise could have recovered it, but mm, yeah, yeah. Anyway, whatever. (laughs) Okay, one last thing I want to mention because there's a Rick and Morty reference, and I always love to use Rick and Morty references if I can. So, um, the big ending, the big bad, the Cerberus dog, whatever they, whatever they're whatever they called it, mm-hmm. whatever the Romulans called it. Um, so it's going to, it's about to get him. 
And, oh, what could they do? Let's forget about the phaser for a minute. Are they going to get him? And then at the last minute, the T-Rex from Jurassic Park 1 <laughs> and Jurassic World. They did the same thing twice in Jurassic uh, Park. Yeah, they've, done, they've done it in Part 2, too. Oh, they did it in three and two also. Okay, well, I yeah. knew about one and one and three. So uh, comes in and some monster that was going to get the heroes earlier in the show comes in and gets the current big bad. Only rather than uh, raptors, it's the Cerberus thing. Right. Uh, so it's like, oh my god, it just keeps on being used. But of course, this is all in the past. I mean, obviously, the Jurassic Park things came a lot later. Um, but I'm sure. This kind of thing was probably done before this comic came out, too. It's just a sure. trope that's used multiple times. And I just had to bring up the Rick and Morty episode, because this is the first thing that came to my mind, not Jurassic Park. Uh, there's a uh, takeoff on uh, Jurassic Park, which is called Anatomy Park. And in it, uh, Rick and Morty are saved at the last minute. Or actually, Morty is. Uh, at the last minute... Um, by hepatitis C at the last minute grabbing and eating hepatitis A who was about to get our heroes. Okay. <laughs> and you don't watch Rick and Morty. No. Okay. Well, you need to see that there, there, there's probably like five episodes that you need to watch and, and Anatomy Park is one of them. And that's one of them? All that's right. one of them. Do that and definitely the first one you should watch is... Um, Lawnmower Dog. That's a really good one. You should see that one. And of course, uh, Pickle Rick. So there's three, and there's some other ones I can't remember the, the titles, but you've got to see those three. Anyway. Okay. And then you'll know what I'm talking about with Hepatitis C, grabbing uh -huh. Hepatitis A at the last minute. Okay. I'm done. All right. So ready to move to the next one? I, I am. All right, so this one has been titled To Rule the Universe and came out between October 13th, 1973 to December 29th of 1973. And these were in Valiant and TV21 issues, number 107 to 118. And it's been collected into the classic UK Comics Volume 3 hardcover. Uh, no writer, but the artist is John Stokes. So, on Earth, the Federation is hosting a conference with all the leaders of the Federation planets. So, they just established that, and then we move off to space. And this is back, you know, where no man has gone before. And we see the Enterprise meeting a new planet uh, with a race of people called the Plexes. And these guys are some monstrous green-skinned creatures with giant protruding skeletal teeth. Um, very nasty looking. And while they're talking to each other, they uh, are planning something quite nefarious. At the same time that Kirk and Spock are about to perform first contact procedures with them. The creature's plan has something to do with hooking themselves up to what looks like an electric chair device of some sort and being shocked while glazing at a TV screen that has a picture of Spock and Kirk on it. So we don't know what's going on, but it looks nasty. Later, Spock and Kirk beam over to meet the green leaders uh, who are named 
and I'm going to always call him Gorkon, but it's Gokron. So the leader's name is Gokron, and the assistant's name is Shikra. But yes, it looks very much like Gorkon. But anyways, uh, Spock becomes suspicious when Gokron seems to have some previous knowledge about the Federation and even drops that he knows that there's a big conference there on Earth. Uh, when Spock calls him on that, the aliens say they just have great communications equipment and they hear stuff, you know, just they just hear things around. So uh, eventually, once Kirk and Spock are alone on the planet, the aliens spring their trap and capture Spock and Kirk. And then they get back into the electro machine from earlier and the uh, Gorkon and Chikra are able to change themselves into exact duplicates of both Kirk and Spock. And somehow they're able to match not only their physical looks, but also their brain waves, so that no scanner will know that they're not the real Starfleeters. The aliens, in the guise of Spock and Kirk, beam back up to the Enterprise, and they inform HQ that they are giving the Plexis immediate inclusion into the Federation. The fake Kirk even offers to travel to Earth to inform the assembled Federation leaders of his plan. Starfleet agrees, and fake Kirk and fake Spock are then beamed all the way to Earth. So it's something that predates Transwarp by quite a few decades. Uh, we now have it where Spock and Kirk, fake Spock and fake Kirk, beam themselves back to Earth. With the aliens beamed from the Enterprise to Starfleet HQ, the uh, Plexes are going to do their nefarious plan from earlier, which is to kill all of the established uh, collected leaders and bring down the Federation by killing all their leaders in one failed stroke. So, once they're there... It, and it is nice. The picture shows all the Federation people, and we see lots of established aliens. We see Tellarites, Andorians, and everything, which was actually a really cool picture. Uh, so uh, the duo, the evil duo, enter the auditorium with all the Federation leaders, and they're going to drop a device that looks like a little tape recorder, but it's actually going to kill and or incapacitate all the leaders in one fell swoop. They drop it, and they walk away, and then the device goes off, but it only knocks everybody out. It seems like they have yet another device that they'll have to come back in to uh, kill everybody. Meanwhile, the real Kirk and the real Spock on the planet are about to be taken to a firing squad. And they're actually, like, trussed up. The, the rifles are raised. They're about to be riddled with holes when a convenient band of rebels start an uprising on the planet and uh, Kirk and Spock are able to return to the Enterprise but they can't beam themselves back to Earth due to some jamming devices that the aliens have. So they have to then beam themselves back down to the planet, work with the rebels and destroy all of the jamming equipment. Once all that's done, Kirk is indeed able to beam himself all the way back to Earth. So, that being said, Back on Earth, real Kirk now confronts fake Kirk and fake Spock. Um, also, when the device is now destroyed on Plexus, the uh, the fake 
Kirk and Spock revert back to their normal hideous forms. Uh, so Kirk arrives just as the ambassadors dropping like a, they're not ambassadors. They're dropping a gas container that's going to kill all the uh, leaders that are knocked out. Kirk's able to destroy it. The aliens get away on a Vulcan ambassador's ship and they head off towards Klingon space as fast as they can. So Kirk, after he stops the bomb, follows them in a rocket ship called the Nemesis. And just as the aliens are entering Klingon space and escaping the Federation justice system, Kirk is able to beam the aliens off their ship and back onto the Enterprise on the other side of the quadrant. So with the mass assassination prevented, the crew head off towards their next voyage. And then there's like a little jab, not a jab, but it definitely feels like a closing of the series. And it says, you know, uh, kind of... Uh, this is the end of the story, and then and then it has a, like the little teaser. Instead of saying "come back next week for a new story of Kirk and Spock," it says "come back next week for a new storybook story." So this was definitely their last their last issue in the uh, the weekly comic strips. The end. What do you think? Um, <clears throat> I think they definitely. That last panel where Kirk and Spock are saying things definitely yeah. was uh, giving the fond farewell to everybody, right. uh, you know, but, but still keeping the door open to their future exploits. Uh, but you could right. tell it wasn't going to be with UK Comics, <laughs> odds are. Uh, but I completely took, so they've got at the very bottom of the page in, in orange color, I guess. There's a brand new picture story starting next week. Don't miss it. And I completely read it differently from you. Uh, the way you read it is, in the end, probably the way it was intended. But uh, when it said there's a brand new picture story starting next week, I took it completely like it was a brand new Star Trek picture story. Like, you get, you know, every time you end one storyline, right. and next week you're going to start a new Star Trek storyline. That's the way I took it. Yeah, Obviously, the way you say, took it, like, it, took it as accurate, uh, yeah. because they didn't make any more after this, but... That's... Well, usually that last page, it says, join Kirk and the crew of the Enterprise for another adventure next week. You know, that kind of thing. So since well, they didn't actually mention Kirk and crew well, and they said a new picture story, I, mm -hmm. I felt that it was, they knew yeah. that they were. Back. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. But I didn't take it that way at all. So I was a little confused. I thought there was, uh, I mean, I so much didn't take it that way that I didn't even think of the possibility that they were talking about a totally different uh franchise coming in and, and taking up right. uh, Star Trek's spot on the roster. Might be like, uh, you know, Starsky and Hutch or something. <laughs> <laughs> or The uh, Saint or something like that. So what movie did this uh, the da, story da, make da, you feel? Da, 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 da. Um... When I first started reading it, it completely reminded me of Beyond to some degree because um, the Enterprise comes into contact with um, a new planet that it turns out that the people that are on the planet already know all about the Federation, Space Federation, and have nefarious plans for our unwary uh, heroes. So in Beyond, it was so, those, those Munchkin guys? 
Munchkin guys. <laughs> it was Adiris Elba and, uh, you know, and his people. Oh. Well, who who, who, time, who turns out to be a, a, a previous captain of a starship, although we didn't know that at first. Hmm. Yeah, so that's the first thing I completely saw. Now, the fact that you pointed out, and I too noticed, <laughs> that that rocket ship, that attack rocket ship um, they used was named Nemesis. <laughs> and I thought, oh, eh, Nemesis. Yeah. They got... and, the, and the whole plot of this is Nemesis. It's, it's them destroying Nemesis. the whole Senate. Yeah, because she's on, created, you know, is basically a clone of Kirk. Oh, this I didn't see that at all. Of... I didn't see that at all. And then, <laughs> you know, in Nemesis, it was like, we're going to bring a little device into the Senate and kill the whole Senate and okay, take over. Well, that's and then here they're going to bring a little device into uh, the Space Federation and destroy yeah. all the leaders and take over the, yeah, the I Federation. Didn't, I didn't see that at all. Yeah, I was getting a big uh, Nemesis vibe throughout reading this. And then you turn that page and then the rocket ship's called Nemesis. And I was just like, this, this can't be. This is... Too big of a coincidence. <laughs> okay, so the guy that wrote the script, I guess Brent Spiner helped him a little bit or whatever. I forgot his name, but he's done a, a ton of other things. Um, Not Star Trek, though. No, that was, that was the first and only Star Trek thing I'm aware of that he's ever done. But um, I really enjoyed uh, Penny Dreadful, which was another uh, a later TV series by him. But um, But yeah, okay. So your theory is... Uh, he read this that my when he was a kid, this, and he got like, the whole thing. He was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to redo that one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put a Romulus spin on it. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get that and, at all. Uh, and then I want to use this transwarp thing, but oh, he never got around to it, so the next movie had to use that one. Okay. That's my theory. And I'm cool. Well, that's cool. That's, it's, it's a good point. That's a good point. That didn't occur yeah, to me at all, these, but that's a good point. These creepy guys kind of look like Remans if you look at them just right. Oh, they don't look like Remans. Whew, they scare. <laughs> but they are scary looking. And when you first see Gorkron or whatever the heck his name is, uh, and, and later too, towards the end, but when you first see him, uh, when you first see Gorkron, he is nasty looking. Yes. He is he is red in color, and he is wicked, nasty looking, and I just think that the the artist was trying to in one panel was trying to tell us everything we needed to knew to know about this week's villain or this storyline's villain, and he had Gorkron that looks like an absolutely nasty looking uh, Darth Maul kind of guy. And then he's got his lackey guy that looks like some kind of stupid comic book sidekick idiot or something. And oh, like an idiot, I thought he looked pretty nasty too. What? He looks. Look at him. He doesn't look nasty. He looks like some idiotic punching bag that <laughs> Gorkron just. Oh hey, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> that's that's what his voice is. That's it. That's it. While Gorkron is more like, hey, we'll kill the Enterprise. So, uh, so they got red. They got red skin. The one guy looks like the sidekick boob, and then Gorkron looks like ultimate evil in that first panel, which I think right. is kind of cool. And then Gorkron can then 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 they're green the rest of the time. Right. <laughs> the rest yeah, of the time they're, they're green, like a, and 
and and that stupid looking sidekick is like gone, unless he was supposed to be what the other guy that's traveling with uh, Russ or whatever. Yeah, I think he's that's supposed. Is, to be is that who he's supposed to be? Okay. Yeah. He looks nothing like him from the first panel. Right. I mean nothing. Yeah, it, it is weird because as some like sometimes they look like they're amphibian or fish-like, mm-hmm. and then other times they look mammalian or reptilian. It's just like, yeah. they're very inconsistent to yeah. as far as what they look like. Good point. But it did kind of make me think that, uh, I don't know if I was specious or whatever, I was like, <laughs> would I be able to take a, a race that didn't have lips? You know, because I mean, this Gorkon does not have any lips. He's just like, it's just jaw and it looks creepy as heck. Yeah. And then I'm like, well, so I'm immediately like, oh, he's evil because he doesn't have lips. Or um, then I was like, well, that's kind of, that's not right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I never, I never thought about how much lips make you think whether the person's a good guy or a bad guy. Well, yeah. And, and quite frankly, everybody who's in the Federation is human like enough and, and, and kind of look okay. But there's no reason for that. I mean, the aliens that could join the Federation could look quite, you know, very nasty. They could all look like Darth Maul or something, but they could end up being nice guys. But even Darth Maul has lips. <laughs> Good point. And lots of horns. Yeah. Yeah. Now, that's what I liked about Star Wars and, uh, you know, even like a Farscape and things mm-hmm. like that, is that they they really leaned into, you know... Aliens aren't going to look just like humans with prosthetic ears. Right. I mean, they still have a lot of that, but you know, there's, yeah, and there's they probably a had a little there. better. They probably had a little better budget too. Sure. And in the case of Farscape, I mean, it was going to be puppet time, so to some degree. Right. Oh, 100 percent, and it was great. I loved it. I love Farscape. I love those. That's puppets. a great show. <laughs> well, what, uh, what, what the Emperor? I forgot what his name is, but he was great. Char- uh, he was a great character. Skeleton, period. Skeleton. Uh, Scorpion, Scorpio. Oh, Scorpius. Yeah. Oh no, Scorpius is the bad guy. Uh, I'm talking about the Emperor, uh, or uh, the little guy who was on the ship, the good guy. The Yoda looking exactly the Yoda looking dude. I forgot his name name too. Need to watch that. That was a good show. That was a good show. Anyway. Okay, so back to this. Yeah, back to this. So you're able to transform yourself from this hideous monster-looking thing with no lips to Captain Kirk. Exactly. And Mr. Spock. That's Pretty right. Nice. That's right. Isn't that amazing? But I do like the picture where they're being transformed. Mm-hmm. Because it looks like they are going through a lot of pain. Right. And then there's, like, orange and, and like, dark blue, like, lightning bolts going back and forth and... And they're saying, Thrasa, Thrasa. So that's that's the sound they make when you're conf- when you're changing your entire body configuration. Yeah, everybody knows that. Everybody knows that Thrasa. Anyway, I I like that panel. I like that drawing, but it is completely ridiculous. Yeah, the whole idea of it's so stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and then I like how the Kirk, the fake Kirk and fake Spock walk out, and they're like. How does it? How does it feel to see yourself? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And what's then, funny is that I just read, I just watched what little girls are made out of, uh-huh. and you know it has this very similar scene where mm-hmm. android 
Kirk walks up and yeah, it's just like well, Kirk. Kirk knows what it's like to see him to talk to him though. Exactly, but you He's don't really. Enough. Yeah, there you go. Whether it's an android or an evil duplicate, or I'm sure there's other reasons why he talked to himself. <laughs> his how about, how about his transporter clone? Yeah, that's what I said. Evil duplicate. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. There you go. His anyway. evil half. Anyways, I did not like that part, and I did not like the transport beaming thing. They never called it transport. Oh my beaming, god! But, but uh, that's what it was. So many egregious things in this issue, or this storyline. Not as bad as last issue. Oh, I think the, pretty bad. The the whole tele they could talk. They're telepathic all of a sudden. Uh, oh, you, I think transport beaming, pulling transport beaming out of their ass is worse. Eh, JJ did it, and we all bought it. No, no. I didn't like buy it. Shooting a I didn't like that. Into another bullet while riding a horse blindfold. And I was just like, yeah. well, Scotty just explained it to me, so I'm good now. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it's like, and, okay, so you, you interpreted something differently from what I did. Um, so when the jamming was up, that was preventing communications. I did I it not was preventing the beaming too. Well, I did not take it that it was pre- preventing the beaming because I don't remember them ever saying that. Now I could uh, be wrong, but I don't remember them ever saying that. So there's another situation where it's like, just beam them over. You well, already established you've got, you know, transwar yeah. beaming or whatever the uh, ultra long range beaming. It's like right. just, you know, transport somebody because, yeah, I mean you. What you said makes more sense because yeah, they, they didn't actually transport until they didn't tra- they didn't actually transport until um, un- until after that building was destroyed. Right. And quite frankly, the whole idea that all you got to do is blow up the machine that transformed them into Kirk and Spock. And they would revert. What the heck are you talking about? Yeah, that didn't make sense. So, so somehow that machine is still exerting force on on Gorkon and his and his aid all the way on Earth, right? Yep. Dozens, dozens, if not hundreds, of light years away. Exactly. Really? Oh my God! It makes no sense. Oh. No, it was bad. <laughs> and, and so the the worst the worst for me because you know I watch a lot of or I have watched a lot of uh, of the old serials you know from back in the 50s and 40s and stuff like that okay. and you know the, the whole cliffhanger thing okay and you know I, I like them you know they're, they're, they're fun for their time right sure, you know, sure. How, how is he going to get out of this we just saw him fall off and mm-hmm. then you come back next week and it's just like Oh, that was a dummy that fell off, and he really, you know, <laughs> really never even on the cliff at all. You know that kind of thing. You know, ridiculous ways to get out of stuff. Sure. Um, and I felt like this was this had that in there too. It was like they're about to get shot by uh, the firing squad. Mm-hmm. The firing squad's like ready. Oh and yeah. It's like oh yeah. They're dead. They're gonna get shot in the next exactly. panel. And then you turn the panel. It's like unbeknownst to us, 
there's a rebellion going on at the same time, and they they free Captain Kirk and Spock, not knowing who they are. You know, it's just like, <laughs> boy, that was convenient. You ain't kidding. Rebellion came out of nowhere. Well, I, I thought it was a jailbreak. Criminals jailbreaking, but it it did turn into a big rebellion. So maybe it was rebellion the whole time. But it seemed like it was a big jailbreak. Wow! But it had nothing to do with Kirk. Kirk and them were not. Yeah, they just happened to be there. Yeah, exactly. It just happened to be at the second that would save their life. Exactly. Yeah, I did. I did not like that at all. No. Add it to the list. Add it to the list. And then they were able those. Then they were able to befriend those people later in order to. Uh, yeah, because they basically ditched them. Yeah. So there's the big jailbreak. Everybody's leaving, and Spock says, "Hey, we don't want to hang out with those losers." And then Kirk's saying, "Oh yeah, I guess you're right." But yep. little did they know that they would need them again, a few uh, issues later. So after reading these two issues, one phrase has jumped out and I didn't go back I was going to go back and write down all the times it poor writing out. yeah no nah. <laughs> there's there's one phrase that Spock says a lot of times mm-hmm. and I don't think the writer knows what it means uh, <laughs> because Spock often he's says, English they the, all know what the they're doing the logical mind you know the logical mind does not see a way out of it oh the yeah the mind does not and I'm there's like, a lot of crap like that yeah it's just like I know you're saying the words that Spock says but you're not using them right. <laughs> <laughs> and then even Kirk's like, what does your logical mind say? And I'm like, that's... Everybody has a logical mind. It's whether you want to do anything with it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyways, it was just like... You're right. He says it like four or five times. Yeah. Words, and it was like really yeah. kind of annoying. My logical mind cannot find a way out of this issue. The situation, Captain. I sure hope that those prisoners will break out for no reason. <laughs> yes. Well, oh, your logical mind, I guess, isn't perfect if you didn't see that coming, Spock. Which apparently you didn't. Oh. And yeah. so, yeah, this is Pretty the second poor. issue in a in a in sequential order where they were just going to randomly have the captain give them um, access to uh, the Federation. The Entrance into the Starfleet or the Federation for the whole planet just by Captain Kirk's say so. Yep, it's amazing. Captains are giving a lot of latitude, apparently, right. even into making Federation admission decisions. Right, don't even Not... need the uh, you know, the questionnaire. Are you the questionnaire? <laughs> <laughs> are you a homicidal se- uh, a dictator? <laughs> Do you eat your own people? Exactly. You know, questions that you have to ask before you can just let them in. Exactly. You know that's what the that's what the Cerritos has to come over there and start doing. Exactly. With yeah. The second cut. I figured that was a Cerritos thing you were trying to do. Uh, second contact stuff. Um, so, yeah. So again, they're using shuttles as attack fighters. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is the TOS shuttles were never armed. Ever, 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 ever. But I got to say, they do look kind of cool on the attack and the way they're drawing them in this, right. in these, uh, these issues. I do, I do like that. There's some really good exploding stuff going on. And, uh, and the shuttles are accurate. I mean, they're accurate. Although I do notice in one, in one panel now, they're showing a shuttle. Oh, how interesting. <laughs> 
So I'm watching. I'm looking at one of the shuttle drawings, and it just says NCC seventeen oh one. There's no dash number, right? On the on on the the side of the hull, but if you look really closely and squint, you could see the nacelle says NCC seventeen oh one, and there's an extra number at the end. Right. Okay. Well, excuse me, sir. Do you realize that? Yeah. So I just thought I'd point that out. But other than that, other than yeah. those kind of inconsistencies, I think some of the drawing is pretty cool. There's a drawing where the uh, shuttlecraft is is uh, blown up, and that looks pretty cool. Yeah, when it crashes into the ray shielding or something like that. Um, I think it was oh, was it the ray shield? Was that what they did? Because it? it looks like it was hit by a, a missile or something. But I think you're right. But it looks like there's an explosion, a kind of a red looking explosion in the you know near the right. the center of the hull. Yeah. And then it's yellow going out, and then it's it, it kind of looks like it's hit by a uh, a missile. But uh, I think you're right. I think yeah, it hit yeah. into Kirk some kind of that, shield. Kirk says that it was a, a ray defense. Operation. There you go. So, uh, did you know that uh, Spock doesn't normally use a phaser, and Kirk has to berate him in order to actually start doing it? <laughs> I thought that was funny. You'll have to use a, a phaser for once, Spock. Yeah. Like, I, no, I, I had no idea. Every story. Yeah, I mean, come on. Oh, is, is that supposed? Is that supposed to be something where he's a pacifist or something? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, quick, trying to give him hugs. Just shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. I like that. Quit trying to give him hugs. Cool. Anyways. Okay. Is there anything else to berate this story? Huh? What's that? Is there anything else to break the story about? Um, I do like the little uh, model rocket for no reason. I mean, you have sensors. Oh. You can just sense the planet from orbit, but no, Kirk has to beam down and use a little oh. CO2 rocket to, to map out the little valley. The drone? Yeah. To look around and find things? Hmm. So yeah, it totally looks like you know you would put a little CO2 cartridge in there and oh. launch it off. <laughs> like one of those things you have a pump? Yeah, or or something. Yeah. Yeah, and then One it's just rocks, compressed you know, air, just science class things. Yeah. So, so not even an Estes rocket. You're saying this is just compressed air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. There you go. <laughs> yep, for no reason, just so that they can find where the uh, the rebel- rebels are. Uh huh. Right. We got to find our buddy, our our rebel buddies now, so that they can be the ones that die and not us. <laughs> In our overtaking of the planet. Uh, anyways, but in all seriousness, mm-hmm. the uh, the Federation leaders, I, you know, they drew Tellarites and they drew Andorians. It's mm-hmm. just like, I mean, obviously they saw the the Babel, the journey to Babel, or whatever that that episode is, mm-hmm. and was like, oh, those guys are Federation. Stick them in the background. More more than I can say, Gold Key's ever done. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. And, I gotta, uh, I gotta say, I didn't notice. I didn't notice the attendees much. I see some that have huge heads, yeah. huge egg heads. They look more like uh, Vincent Price in the Batman TV <laughs> series. Egg, but uh, oh, I see somebody with antennas. Okay, yeah. yeah, there you go. All right, and then my last comment, and it's uh it's not a, a negative one. Okay. But um, 
the uh, Federation guys, the mm-hmm. the soldiers or guards or whatever. Oh, they, they have, have helmets, helmets. Mm-hmm. and they have the little Starfleet logo on the helmet. Where did that come from? Because I, the first time I ever remember seeing anything like that was the movies. Yeah, the motion picture. I don't picture. remember them ever wearing helmets like that in the TV show. It, motion picture. That's the first yeah. time there was any kind of uh, things that made sense for security people. They just had normal, they just had red shirts in Taws. <laughs> I mean, they never had anything to protect them. <laughs> right. But these helmets look kind of cool. I, I was I was pretty impressed with them. Yeah. So, so again, so you figure that's where... The motion picture uh, guys got the idea. Yeah, they were like, "Oh yeah, this, let's stick helmets on them." That's yeah, genius. and they've got like utility belts or something with the phasers attached to. Yeah, looks good. Yeah, yeah, helmets, and then but at least motion picture had like like football pads on them <laughs> <laughs> to give them a little bit but of then, body protection. But then, if you really want to be nitpicky. When Kirk and, I don't know, whoever this other guy is that's on the uh, Nemesis, mm-hmm. when they wear their helmets, it has the Star Trek swoosh on it, mm-hmm. which technically shouldn't be there because that's the Enterprise logo and mm-hmm. not yes, yes, the yes, logo yes, for yes, Star Yes, Starfleet yes, yes, yet. yes, yes. How many so times again, has that come up? This predates the motion picture, making that canon everywhere. I'm telling you, I'm telling you. I'm telling you, these UK guys—they were. Yeah, I think I think the idea of the Enterprise swoosh versus the Constellation star, or whatever, was you know a good idea. Something they did in Taws, um, but I mean, nothing past Taws was consistent with that at all, right? No, everything became swoosh after Taws. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and everything before. Retroactively. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I wonder what the hell. What are you talking about? Okay. Right, right, right. Well, I'm yeah, talking I get about you. I got Discovery you. and yeah. Strange New Worlds. Yeah. Yep, right. good point. Um, I thought it was egregious how they kept stretching things out. I mean, so Kirk has them both dead to rights. He's got a phaser on him, right? Inside of the uh, auditorium, thing. auditorium, whatever. And a delicate just happens to fall forward. An unconscious delicate just happens to fall forward into Kirk and knocks the phaser out of his hand. Right. Oh, my God. There are so many instances where they are stretching this out. It's amazing. But that's, I think that's the most egregious because it's like, what? <laughs> a delicate fell forward and just happened to hit Kirk's gun arm. But why why even have the the two part bomb? Why why did the, they have to set off the thing that Oh, that out and then come thing? back later and set the bomb. Yeah, I don't that made no sense either. I mean, at least in just finally in uh, Nemesis, at least they they fixed that part and it was all one deal. <sighs> well, they had to get out of the building, right? But couldn't they couldn't they have set a bomb or something? And then just yeah. leave? Like in Nemesis. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Uh, it stretched things out. It it got them yeah. out of there and gave Kirk a chance to get in? I don't know. Yeah. No, you're but right. but, that's, but that's obviously the guy fell over to knock the gun out so that uh, 
bad guys could get the phaser and make their escape because we need to have a few more issues here. We need to stretch this out a bit. Right. Now, why was the Nemesis ship that Kirk uses a rocket ship that, that has to leave Earth's atmosphere and everything? Why didn't he just beam to a ship that was already in orbit? Like, well, pretty much every <laughs> starship in, in, in the uh, Starfleet armada. Right. Uh, yeah, whatever. It's. I was about to say it's Gold Key, but no, it's UK Comics. It's UK. It's UK Comics. Well, now that we've finished both Gold Key and, for the most part, we've finished UK. Who is worse? If, if you had to pick one, which would you say is better? Let's do oh. a positive. Oh. Which one's <laughs> wow, that's whole, tough. That is the, tough. The 50-something issues of Gold Key versus the 37 stories of Which which one did I enjoy more? Right. Is that perhaps the better way to ask it? Yeah. Which one did you enjoy? Wow, that's tough. Wow, that's tough. Um, I'm going to say gold key, but they're, mm, that's close. Okay, what do you think? <laughs> I would probably pick gold key, too. Just... I mean, I, I think that it it does benefit of uh, it had covers, right? Which which those covers are so <laughs> those beautiful. covers are, were typically they were awesome until and then it, it also benefited of it was a set number of pages and it could tell the story and get out of there as opposed to mm-hmm. I think these tend to like you said do the unnecessary cliffhanging for maybe a few times too many times per story right that's a good point that's a very good specific point um these things had to be a very specific number of pages long what two and they had to have a cliffhanger so that really does force a lot of unfortunate things to happen <laughs> but as far as good the point. artwork goes like the interior art I, I mean i might give it to the uk because some of the artwork in in these issues are pretty good really nice really yeah. really dynamic yeah. you know they they're not just a page full of squares right they're like very dynamic and explosions coming out into the yeah. other panels and stuff like that it's it's really nicely drawn yeah as a whole yeah you know not, not every artist was as good as the others but uh yeah i don't know story-wise <clears throat> i think i'll give it the gold key art-wise i'll give it to uk Except for yeah, those covers. For, those covers yeah. Uh, like in these issues, Kirk frequently looks like Shatner, but in some cases not. But even when it doesn't look like Shatner, it's close enough. Where right. in Gold Key, typically <laughs> Kirk looks nothing like Shatner. Uh, he looks like some dark-haired, square-jawed, I don't know, some guy from a 50s uh, sci-fi flick or something. Right. Right. Um, so it, they they got Spock right more often than they ever got Kirk right uh, and the other crew. But yeah. Yeah. Cool. They, they, All right. Yeah. Anything else? Before I don't think so. I don't. Yeah, close the book. Literally. No. Anything else I say will just be more negativity and there's no, re- there's no reason to do that. 
Yeah, there's something about beating a dead horse. Exactly. I forgot what the word, what the exact sentence. Yeah, I. It's fine. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed both stories, despite their downsides. And yeah. uh, and the, and this was a nice way to wrap up the regular weekly uh, stories. Right. Yeah, it is funny reading these and then thinking, you know, that uh, that the the whole UK strip series came and went. You know, before I was ever born, and before uh, the the animated series even started, I, I was always kind of thinking, well, maybe, you know, because you always think, okay, that it was the TV show, and then it was the comic books, and then the animated show kind of kept it alive, and then the movies. But in reality, you know, uh, it was a, it was a dead zone where the you know there was no TV show, and the animated series was still pretty far away out. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah, well, kind of sure. kind of reading these and the gold key and reading the the you know what was in the you know previews and stuff like that in those issues. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of cool to see where a fan of Star Trek would would have been getting Something. the only the only thing they yeah. that they could have gotten at the time. Yeah, so it's kind of cool. Yeah, it is. All right, so next week, Ken, why don't we do the short stories that were in the annuals that are in both the UK. Volume one and volume two, which uh, those nineteen seventy, seventy one, and seventy two. Yeah, so they're titled "Target Zargot: Captives in Space, Planet okay. of Rejects, and okay. the Zodinian Sacrifice." Okay, so the first four stories, which stretch over annual seventy, nineteen seventy, nineteen seventy one, and nineteen seventy two. The summer special right? of nineteen seventy-two. Yeah, there's another one. Oh, uh, Smoke and Mirrors, which also came out in seventy-two. So, it's a little hard to figure it out because they're not numbered. So, our numbers might be a little different than what's in the um, the volumes themselves. But those are the those are the four we're going to go for. In case okay. you're reading along at okay. home, kitties, kitties. Cool. That sounds great. But they're all pretty short, so yeah, much so shorter be, than these. It should be a shorter episode than normal. Yeah, and hopefully we won't just badmouth the story the, the whole time. <laughs> I do feel bad doing Well, that. I, I am looking at some of the artwork, and uh, I don't know. Kirk looks a little bit like Tarzan. Johnny Ooh. Weissmiller or something. Nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, let's, sounds good. All right. Well... Thanks, everybody, for joining us on The Review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic second name book review See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review Let's get the hell out of here